Hello, I'm Serena Dot Ryan, and welcome to the See Digital Clearly Show. This show is dedicated to inspiring action. Each episode, there is an interview with a thought leader doing great things with digital. They will share their insights and experience to get you inspired and focused to create the life you want thanks to digital. This episode, Craig Rispin, business futurist, joins me. Welcome, Craig. Hi there, Serena. It's fantastic to have this conversation with you today. I'm so excited. Fantastic. So am I, Craig. Tell me about what do you do as a business futurist? Well, I teach people what's going on in the space of business, people, and technology. And one customer said to me a while ago, and I use it as my master message, oh, Craig, so you've really helped me know first about things, how to do things so I can be first, and you've helped me profit first. And so it's been my motto ever since that, know first, be first, profit first, uh, to look at you know what's happening in the world so you can keep up and profit from it. Fantastic. So for you, can you tell me what are your top five digital trends we should be aware of for business? Wow, that is a big question. And uh, lots of people have different opinions. Mine are going to be pretty out there because as a futurist, I I look a little bit further. But um, let's... Let's talk about things that are close right now. Some digital trends that we are seeing uh, that people will be seeing in uh, augmented reality stuff. So machine learning and cognitive computing or artificial intelligence, as they say, are, are moving in big ways. People know that. And they're talking about that. A lot. One of my clients said that they used an automated chatbot to replace 35 people in their call center. Wow. Yeah, they didn't fire them, just moved them into marketing to better jobs. <laughs> so, so there's uh, machine learning, of course, and then there's uh, things in the physical world as well. Of course, 3D printing. Uh, everything, everybody knows about that, but I don't know if you heard about um, a house that was printed in a day for less than $10,000 just yesterday. That was amazing. I think I saw that on Facebook come yeah, up. Yeah, from Russia. Yeah, done in Russia. Wow. Yeah, and I've seen an apartment house five stories high that was printed in five days. So I guess that's the going thing. In the near future, you could print your house in a day for about $10,000 a floor. I think that's incredible to think about. And, of course, they're 3D printing cars as well. Um, Yes, 3D printing cars, believe it or not. Completely (laughs) change manufacturing. Yes, completely changing. Uh, A prediction from Google's top futurist, who's also their head of engineering and one of my mentors from the World Futurist Society, Ray Kurzweil. He's working at Google now. That's his first real job. He's been predicting technology, then patenting it, and then licensing it for most of his career. But now his first real job is working at Google. 
and at at at, at, at Google, uh, he's making this prediction that is going to blow people's mind. But um, should we scare them, Serena, or should we tell them about this? Uh, do, do you think we should? Sure. I think I think it's why not. It doesn't hurt to sort of. I think go go there. Why not? Okay, let's okay. let's do it. Okay, so at at Google, of course, they're working on machine learning. They're they're doing quite a lot of that, and they've got that company AlphaGo that beat a human, a grandmaster at the game of Go. But their head futurist predicted at a conference where I saw him speak that in the not-too-distant future, we'll have nanobots in our bloodstream that will monitor our health 24-7, communicate it to uh, health authorities, and if you're going to have a stroke or a heart attack, an ambulance will pull up to you along the side of the road as you're walking down the street saying, get in, you're about to have a heart attack. That, that sounds pretty good for healthcare in the future. But he also said that these little tiny bots that we will inhale, <laughs> literally inhale <laughs> into your body, will coat our brain, amplify our intelligence and connect us to the internet full time. So some people get freaked out by that I asked somebody when I told him that, would you like to amplify your intelligence, monitor your health and know before you get sick and also be connected to the internet through your brain? Uh, they said, will there be ads? I'd hate pop-up pop ads in my brain. <laughs> I love that thought. I totally agree. It's like you obviously want to um, switch that off if you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to digital marketing on online, I want people to, you know, your motto, see clearly and what's happening. The, um, the automation of digital marketing is coming with the, those bots coming, um, intelligent bots. And, you know, Facebook has them and WeChat and China and, other, and, all, and LinkedIn's about to have them as well. The head of engineering at, at LinkedIn said that LinkedIn will soon have a bot that if you say to someone in the, the message area that's turning more into a chat room rather than an email on LinkedIn now, it will say, uh, would you like to schedule a coffee with this person, Craig? And then it'll go back and forth and figure out a time in your schedule and confirm everything automatically for you. You don't have to go back and forth with the emails. So I understand that's coming yeah. to LinkedIn soon. Such a great time saver. Yeah, I know. And so soon, I think that we're going to be using more and more intelligent agents. And this will be a great, great thing for small business where they don't have people that can monitor digital channels full time. So, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. You can go from being it's such a challenge running a, a business, uh, potentially having to have a hat, many, wear many hats. And if this is something that can take some of those tasks away, it could make business much more productive. That's absolutely right. So I see this happening already, not just in high-end call centers where they can move people out of the call center and put them into marketing, a promotion for all of those people. I bet you they're really happy with that. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think it'll be re really useful to small business as well. So I see it all around me and, uh, you know, I look at these short-term trends that are changing the world, and yeah, 3D printing 
is changing the world. And that's a short-term trend to this long-term trend where we're going to have intelligent agents of, of, in our body monitoring our health and helping us connect. So I wonder if we'll even have screens in the future where we'll just see things projected into our eye. So is it more, would you say, uh, augmented reality? Yeah, I could see that. Wouldn't, um, I think that's coming for sure. I read a science fiction book when I was a young boy, and it was this idea that everybody would have glasses on and everybody would have their reputation points floating above their head in augmented reality. So you have get like a little experience point thing above your head as if you're in a video game. And I was telling a group of students in Singapore about this and they said, oh, like this? And they turned their iPhone around and there was an app that did facial recognition on me and -hmm. showed them that I was on LinkedIn and had more than 10,000 connections and more than 500 recommendations and more than 3,000 endorsements and how many friends on Facebook that I had and how many Twitter followers. And I'm like, well, that's it. So that'll that'll be (laughs) in goggles. Maybe to be in the next version of uh, Snapchat goggles or spectacles, as they call them, or maybe it'll be you know straight into our our eyes, straight into the nerves with these little robots. And when you meet someone, it will say, "This is Serena Dot Ryan." You, Craig, don't you forget that uh, she's part of your mentoring program? Don't you know that she's <laughs> a, a, a digital marketing expert helping other people understand? educating them and helping them execute. And don't you remember that, Craig? And I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, hi, Serena. How are you? <laughs> How's that digital marketing education going? <laughs> so, Fantastic. So I, think I know. It's like there's already so many things we have to remember. Definitely Yes. has its advantages. I think so. And um, I think in the next decade of my life, when, as I approach my 60s this, in this decade, um, I think I'll require that more and more. So I'm looking forward to that. So I don't want to have any senior moments. I want a, a Google moment. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so there are so many different digital trends that we could be taking advantage of to the mm-hmm. point of where I know as you made the comment there, do we scare them? You can get to that stage of being scared and not not doing anything because of it. How do you help people overcome that? Uh, Well, we narrow it down to what's going to be the biggest impact for them. And so I'm not a a social marketing expert in any sense, although I do get more than 50% of my revenue from LinkedIn and have gotten a few clients from Facebook. But uh, people ask me this advice all the time because they hear me say that that I get 50% of my revenue through LinkedIn as they ask me, well, what should I focus on? There's so many. We could be doing Snapchat or Instagram or or we could be doing Facebook or LinkedIn or we could be doing pay-per-click or we could be sponsoring podcasts. What do we do, Craig? And I say, well, you got to follow your listeners' ears and their eyes. What are they looking at? What are they reading? What are they watching? What are they listening to? And that you follow them and go to those places and you be there too. 
And so for me, my business is almost exclusively business to business. LinkedIn is my ideal place because it's the biggest marketplace for business to business. But if I had a consumer company, I'm sure I'd spend a lot more time on Facebook. And if I had a restaurant and I had some food porn, as they call it, because that's what you have to have now if you're a restaurant, you have to have Instagram, Snapchat worthy imagery, you know, your food has to look great. And I have to say, I'm guilty of that. I've snapped some food porn myself. (laughs) And, oh man, I had this, I ordered this um, uh, artisanal muesli with poached pear and uh, pecans. (gasps) Oh, it was so good. I snapped a picture and the, the pear was all plum covered, colored, and sent it to my wife and she said, are you doing food porn? <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. You, yes. You're so right. I think our expectations are to be visual more than ever for whatever we're doing. And oh, yes. As consumers, we hold that in very high regard. So that's definitely a challenge to make sure, particularly if it's a physical product, to get it right. Yes. So this is um, an amazing thing that this role has popped up within the, the hospitality sector and they're actually hiring hundreds, thousands of food stylists to work with chefs to turn them into artists with their food. Now, a lot of them have this training when they train to be chefs, but they're not really stylists, are they? And Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. And so they're hiring food stylists now and because they found that if they don't have those, that imagery, you just don't get the traffic uh, to your restaurant. It's interesting because that was previously just a very niche job when it was only required for uh, when you were doing traditional print or TV. And now because of social media, you're right, it's emerged as being something really significant. Um, I've worked with a couple of restaurants and getting their social media right and the hours that are spent in actually getting the photography and the visual context is something that people don't quite realize how important it is. Mm. It's so important and yes you can see this with all the social networks that LinkedIn's looking more like Facebook and there's a lot of visual things there now rather than just sort of text updates, really encouraging big photos uh, on your profile and in your, in your, your stream. And of, and of course now uh, on Facebook live video. So uh, people, what people don't realize is this about Facebook. You could live broadcast on Facebook now with Facebook live to 1.9 billion people if you wanted to for free. Absolutely. So that means they're the biggest broadcaster in the world. Yeah, it is actually a reality now. We've got Facebook TV. Mm. Um, You can actually get the app for your Apple TV now as well. So it's quite exciting to actually see that evolving. You're right, it's it's phenomenal to actually see... The evolution of the television and the traditional way we look at it's changing. It sure is. And you just think of what happened um, in America in this last campaign. And I'm not talking about the participants in any way, but I'm just talking about the digital side of the technology. When you looked at um, where they launched their campaign campaigns, 
One was on Facebook Live. One was on YouTube Live. They weren't on ABC, NBC, ABC. They weren't on the major broadcasters. They launched on these digital platforms. One of the reasons for that is, well, it's free and has farther reach than any one broadcaster ever could. You know, we get probably over 2 billion people watching the Olympics, but that's on a bunch of different broadcasters that have paid millions of dollars to get the broadcast rights. So what happens if the Olympics comes to Facebook and 2 billion people can get it? What's that going to do to those television licenses that they make hundreds of millions of billions of dollars on? Absolutely. So it's, it's really going to dis- disrupt TV, I think, and already is. I noticed... Um there was a fight um, recently that was on a subscription model through um, Fox. I don't know if you saw it, that uh, several people who had paid decided they'd put it through Facebook Live. Oh, yes, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, they were angry about that because it was their, you know, their pay-per-view where they get, I think, $35 per viewer. Yes, absolutely. And they're streaming it live. Oh, they were not happy with that. No, I, I was most amused where I actually saw these people who had done it uh, when created GoFundMe pages so that they could actually fight when you know, Fox came knocking. And they did come knock. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that's evolved now, but it obviously shows how social media is interrupting a lot of our traditional channels of advertising. Yeah, it's changed everything. Just think about live events now if you go to a live concert people have all got their phones up in front of them recording it in front of you and some people are holding up their giant ipads (laughs) blocking (laughs) your view and it's like come on people put them down but uh one band i know developed an app and they asked everybody in the audience to connect to one particular uh, wi-fi hotspot or network they had set up and they captured the video from their phones all simultaneously. They downloaded an app and they, they actually used it to make a live uh, music video. And so they're like, it's a, like having thousands of different cameras around the stadium. So it's like one of those views where you can switch it in time. One of those cameras Fantastic. that are in the room. Oh, it was incredible looking. I don't know how what technology they use behind that, but that's a perfect example. Having thousands of cameras shooting live events, it's like you don't even have to go, but but actually ticket sales are up. So <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 this thing dealing with the future where you see counter trends emerging all the time. I'll give you one quick quick example. You know, we could use autonomous driverless cars. We could use that and you know, put 5 million people out of work in America, the professional drivers in our society, or we could save 40,000 lives for the people that get killed on our roads every, every year. So there's this big debate about, yeah, we could have the driverless cars, but what do we do with the 5 million people who make their living driving cars? So you've got, a, you've got this sort of yin and yang, and you've got people that are going to music events and they're watching it through their phones rather than watching it with their eyes, yet live ticket sales are up. In fact, Madonna doesn't even have a record company anymore. She only has a touring company because that's where all the money is. 
And you got to think, wow, isn't that weird that at the same time we're spending a lot of time online, we're willing to spend a lot more money for experiences. So that's face-to-face stuff. So That's a really good point. So I think, I don't know if you feel the same, I hear people saying all the time, well, with all this uh, social media and technology, we're not spending enough time face-to-face anymore. And I seem to think that, I don't know, I think that's not necessarily the case. And mm-hmm. if ticket sales are up, that's indicating I'm thinking along the same lines. It's people want more experiences. They do. It's all about the experience economy. I hear it all the time as I'm out there doing my work, speaking at conferences and mentoring business owners again and again, I see this experience economy. People want to have unique experiences. And so a great example of this is a, a store in, uh, New York City called Story. Story. And we'll say, what's the story, right? And and what they're doing is that it's just a blank canvas and people come in there and set up retail displays and that you can actually buy things, but they're also teaching classes and having experiences. And then a few weeks later they wipe it clean and install a new experience. And so this story keep on coming in and it has a different story. Oh, it's so cool, and and uh, it's getting a lot of people raving about it, and what a great idea, making a store more like a magazine, so you get a new issue, it has a new theme, it has all stories in there about it, but there's also ads, and you can buy things from it, you know, go onto a website and buy something. Fantastic. So, oh, yeah, and I think that the merging between the digital channel and the physical channel, I think we're going to see more of that. So, you know, in e-commerce, they call it clicks and mortar. So people buying online and then buying, uh, picking up in store or returning it in store and then buying something online. Well, I'm seeing that for retail, for commerce, for all sorts of things. And I think that's what we have to keep in balance. I say to people, we need to be high tech, but we have to be high touch at the same time. So uh, when people connect to me on LinkedIn, I have a policy of meeting them face to face. People think I'm crazy, but because I have that policy of meeting people, that's how I get 50% of my business. So, and most people just hit click connect and they do nothing. I love that philosophy as well. And I'd say I adapt it as well. I feel it, it should be the facilitator to the real world. I, I think so. I mean, that's what it was intended to be when it all started. And I really, I was around when it all started. The first <laughs> social network was set up by a bunch of futurists and it was called The Well. And this was decades before uh, Facebook ever was. And it was one of the first examples of those uh, social networks, bulletin boards, where we're sharing ideas and connecting with one another that had this policy of meeting each other as well as we traveled around the world. It was really a special thing, but then they sort of let that policy go as more people connected, and then we got the flamers in, and oh boy, uh, taking people down and dirty names and all sorts of things, and well, people just basically abandoned the well. The original trolls. Yeah, the original trolls, that's right. And um, well, I think that uh, that's a perfect example of what not to do, you know, don't be all digital. 
you know, be face to face as well because it's so it's still still so important, and it just facilitates. I think digital facilitates connecting with customers and suppliers and colleagues. So that's my my philosophy. Yeah, keep in balance. Keep in balance. High tech and high touch. Wow. Thank you so much for your time, Craig. That oh. insight is immense. Oh, thank you. We, yeah. It was pretty wide-ranging conversation. We went all over the place, didn't we? <laughs> well, I find it's probably a good analogy for what digital is. You can go so many different places. Yes, but, you certainly can. Yeah, I think what I've taken from what you've said today as well is that whilst there are so many things that we could be afraid of uh, that are coming, the, the intention for them is to actually make our lives easier. And if we approach it as a positive rather than a negative and use it as a facilitator, we uh, digital will actually will make our lives better. Well, I think so. I think you have to have that worldview or else you're going nowhere. Well, I want to say thank you to you as well. It's been a great conversation. Can we do it again sometime? I think that would be fantastic, Craig. I'd love to hear your insights further and how we can actually make the most of them. All right. Let's let's schedule that. That would be fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks again, Craig, and I'm sure we'll chat again real soon. Yeah, see you soon, face-to-face in real life. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. The best time for you to take action is now. Get out there and use digital for what it's intended for to make your life a better one.